Good morning. Welcome to worship. Please stand with us as we get ready to worship. seated. Anyone who thinks running Vacation Bible School is easy has never done it. I'll be honest with you. It's hard work and it isn't for the faint of heart. You may have to stay up late to prep crafts, cook a million hot dogs, 
I need 100 cupcakes delivered. A-S-A-P. Or go all out transforming, remodeling, turning your church into an Arctic wonderland. Or a submarine. Or a fantastical forest. We need crafts. We need songs. We need games. You might work yourself silly training teachers and helpers. You might drive yourself cuckoo with VBS songs. They get stuck in your brain. And when the big week is finally finished, you might even collapse into a VBS-induced coma. But you do it anyway. You go the extra mile to learn every kid's name, play every game, sing every song, and teach every Bible story. Not because it's fun. It isn't always fun. Not because it's easy. It isn't always easy. Not because you have to. It's easier to not do VBS at all. You do VBS because it's worth it. Sharing the gospel with kids is always worth it. Help us make this summer's VBS a success. I did pretty awesome that time. <laughs>
on the on the front lines of human trafficking. And uh, next Sunday, they're going to be coming and to sort of educate us as to how uh, we can uh, help in this ad- adventure of, of stopping human trafficking. We're going to be discussing such topics as what human trafficking is versus what the movies portray it to be, uh, knowledge of how it happens in order to protect those that we love, um, how social media plays a part. Uh, we'll be looking at warning signs and many other important topics. Um, we will start out together in the court, 5 o'clock, uh, for a group session, and then we're going to break off into adults and, and students. So make sure that you make your way back next Sunday at 5 o'clock. Uh, child care will be provided for this uh, special event. Uh, next, we have uh, the women's ministry will be hosting their spring tea on Thursday, May the 6th at 630. The cost is $5 for ages 3 to 9 and then $10 for 10 and up. The theme this year is Bountiful Hope, uh, and it's not your typical tea. Uh, the cost includes food, favors, door prizes, and a craft for the young ladies. May the 2nd is the deadline to sign up for this event. I know you'll want to make your way there. Those uh, events are always so special. Uh, next weekend is the Father-Son Campout. Uh, and if you want more information about that, please see Kevin Seeger. But there is information in both lobbies of the core and up here in the sanctuary. Uh, the senior uh, ad- adult time to Fort Caswell uh, is September 1st through the 3rd. And it is going to be $162.50 uh, per individual. Uh, if you have questions about that, senior adults, please see Donna Phillips. But uh, know that your registration fee and your registration is due by May the 1st. Um, the ladies' mentoring program, uh, Growing Together, is getting ready to kick off. And there's a special event on April the 29th at 7 p.m. in the core. And the cost for that to participate is $15. And today is the deadline uh, for that. So make sure uh, uh, that you get yourself signed up for that, ladies. Uh, and if you have any questions, I'm sure you could talk to Connie Davis about that. Uh, coming up on Sunday, May 9th, Mother's Day, is Family Dedication Day. Then all families wishing to participate are asked to attend the Family Dedication class, which will be the week before at May the, on May the 2nd at 9 a.m. in the kids' worship room. And don't forget to go online to fill out the participation form. And if you have any questions about this event, please see Amy Alley. Um, The last thing that I would like to mention to you is our Golf for Missions coming up May the 8th. Uh, Again, that is a way that we raise funds for our our youth mission team. Uh, This year we'll be going to Wasilla, Alaska in the summer. Uh, So that sort of helps offset some of the costs that we incur on on that mission trip and, and the upcoming mission trips. If you'd like to be involved in sponsoring a whole or being a part of the tournament by, by playing, um, please know that there are a deadline of, of May the 2nd. So I know that's a lot of announcements, but we needed to get those out of the way to keep you guys on top of what's going on here at Pitts. Um, I'd like to ask now Connor Goodman to come and have our scripture reading and prayer. So Connor, come on up. Scripture readings for today is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. 
and he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will be brim over the <laughs> with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to worship you today. We, pra we praise you for this body of youth leaders that we have at Pitts. We ask that you bless this time and open our hearts to hear your, to your message. I also pray that, Jacks that you will give Jackson the words to say. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
please stand with us again as we get ready for worship. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. Father God, Lord, just thank you so much that we get to gather here together today. Lord, I thank you that we get to be in this place. I thank you that we get to fellowship together. And I thank you, Lord, that we get to praise you. 
Lord, just thank you for all these people that have helped bring us up so that we can be here to lead worship. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Please help us use every day that you give us to your glory, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Sorry about that. We got one more.
morning. So, my name is Jackson, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, I am currently a senior at Central Cabarrus High School. I plan on attending a four-year university to study biology. I've yet to decide what college that is yet. It's been a very tough decision. Um, I'm pretty involved in the youth ministry at our church here. I attend Wednesdays on a regular basis. I'm also part of the Malali mission team that is headed up to Alaska, as Kevin mentioned. Um, outside of church, I play soccer. I have for like 13 years now, give or take. Just It's something I've always done. And then this year, I started picking up football. And I started I played football this season. Well, I say play, but I was a kicker, so that's really count. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's enough about me. I've not that much interesting left. So uh, today we'll be looking at Philippians 4, 4 through 9, if you guys could flip there. So while you guys get there, a brief introduction to Philippians. Um, as we know, Philippians was written by Paul to the church of Philippi as he was imprisoned. He used this book to write to the church to give love and tell them how to rejoice and find happiness in situations that they were put through. And especially in chapter 4, he speaks more on dealing with anxieties and adversities throughout these situations and how to really find peace in the Lord and how to go about getting out of these situations. So this passage does resonate a lot with me because I know I've dealt with anxieties a lot. Uh, the recent one, as I mentioned, was college, waiting to figure out if I've been accepted, figuring out what college is best for me and like what I should study and all that. It's just been very stressful. So this passage really helped me and resonated with me knowing that I don't have to go through anything alone. And I hope for any of you guys dealing with anxieties today, this passage can do the same for you. So if you don't mind, can you guys stand for the reading of God's word? Right. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonless be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting us all join in this congregation together safely, be able to listen to this message. Just as I go through this message, please just give me the words to say and let these people just listen and open their hearts, open their minds. Let them listen intently and hear what you, what you have to say through me. Let, my light, let your light shine through me. Let these people gain knowledge in Christ. In your name. Maybe seated. So let's dive right into this. So first thing that Paul tells us to do to deal with anxieties is to rejoice. Paul says in verses 4 and 5, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonless be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So I know what some of you guys are thinking. Anxieties are really tough. They can take tolls both mentally and physically and overall are just hard to deal with. But we have to remember the Lord is with us always and will be with us always. We see 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us God is faithful and never tests us beyond our strength or tempts us beyond our strength. And we see in 2 Corinthians where Paul says that while the Lord may let us go through circumstances that are unbearable, he will never let us go through them alone and we'll always turn back to him with rejoice. So with that in mind, we see on verses 4 and 5, Paul tells us to rejoice through these hurts and struggles and these pains because the Lord is always at hand and by our side. So but you may be asking, what is rejoicing, or how do I rejoice? 
Well, let's look at the first question. What is rejoicing? By dictionary definition, it means to feel or show great delight. But in a more biblical Christian sense, to rejoice means to have faith in God and pour your heart, mind, and soul out with love and gratitude in all of his glory. It means to find peace with him and feel the comfort of his hand. So how do you get there? How do you rejoice? One way to rejoice is to read your scripture. Meditate on the words of God. Read the scripture and listen to him and listen to what he has to say through his words. Um, Be happy in your circumstances. Have joy with God in what he has for you because you know that he always has a bigger plan. It is never you alone and this is always what you're going to be with. His plan is bigger. He has a reason for the circumstances that you are in. So if you just keep your heart and eyes on the Lord, especially in the difficult circumstances, it helps you get out of this earthly pain and this earthly suffering because with your eyes and heart on the Lord, you will see through. You will see the bigger picture. You will get to a place where you are no longer worrying about these pains because you have the Lord on your mind. A great story that comes to mind about rejoicing is Paul and Silas in the prison rejoicing in an extremely difficult circumstances that they had just gone through. They had been beaten and publicly humiliated for preaching the word of God. Then they became chained up and imprisoned and locked away. Even after going through all of this, all this suffering, they still found it in their hearts to rejoice in the Lord. They sang hymns through the night to the Lord, causing an earthquake, breaking everyone free from the jail cells. And because of this, the guard went to kill himself. But from the darkness, Paul screamed out, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And it wasn't just Paul and Silas that stayed. It was every single prisoner that was in there. They all stayed. So this caused the jailer to fall down on his knees and find salvation in the Lord because of this rejoicing that Paul and Silas had. So this this story really just captures the essence of what rejoicing can do for you. It really shows that the Lord is always with you, and by rejoicing in him, he will rid you of your difficult circumstances. We also see Philippians 3.1, Paul says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. So this shows us that not only in chapter 4, but throughout all of Philippians and the whole Bible, that we are told to find joy and rejoice in God and to find peace with him. Now, we've been talking a lot about rejoicing and finding peace and being right with God, but some of you may be struggling with finding reasons to rejoice. That's okay. It's hard for some people, but we always have reasons. And it's something that as long as we start looking intently for them, they're all around us. Uh, One of my biggest, most favorite reasons to rejoice is one we all grew up hearing, we'll always hear as we go on, but it's the sacrifice of Christ. God sacrificed his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins so we can have eternal peace up in heaven. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Just crazy to think about. You put yourself in God's shoes and in God's circumstances here. You're sacrificing your son to die. You're sending him out with the sole purpose of death. All for us. He did that for us. God sent his son to die on the cross for our eternal peace and salvation. It's just insane to grasp. It's hard, it's hard to grasp that concept. But once you do, 
it's an amazing feeling because you know he loves you so much that he would he sacrifice his son for you. So why not rejoice in that fact? Why not sit there and rejoice in the fact that God sent his son for us, sent him to die for us, all of us, as long as we believe in him? It, it really just captivates the whole essence of why we should rejoice and how good God is and what all he's done for us. So going on top of that, another thing to rejoice in is your salvation. Knowing that you have eternal peace up in heaven and eternal life waiting for you. Rejoice in the fact that you know the Lord. I know I'm rejoicing in the fact I know the Lord. It hasn't always been that way for me. I haven't been always this kid that's going to walk up here and preach. I had to get here somehow. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, it was really like, it was around sixth grade for me is when I first found the Lord. I was at a summer camp up in the mountains. It's a sports camp called Outreach America, if any of you know of it. Um, I was with the pastor one day there, and I went, it was one of those meeting things that, you know, big summer camp, end of camp things. You go up, go up to the front and pray and all that. And in that, I really just found Christ that day. I went up with the pastor afterwards. We prayed, and I found salvation. But, you know, it's just a little sixth grader saying he found salvation, not really knowing what to do with it. And being like that, I wasn't really strong in my faith because I didn't know I needed to be because I wasn't old enough for that yet. So as I went on, I slipped in my faith because I wasn't constantly going through it in a correct basis, on the correct form, I guess, better word. Um, I kind of slipped out of my faith. I slipped out of church. I became more just like confined to myself. I didn't really do anything with anyone anymore. Around eighth to ninth grade, I became very just filled with anxiety and depression. I no longer wanted anything to do with anything. I was just done. I was just to my room, to school, to church sometimes, and that was it. I really didn't feel like doing anything else. But there was one day, I can't even remember why, just happened, I felt a calling to my Bible to pick it up and read. I didn't really think anything of it at the time, but I just flipped open my pa- Bible, and I found a verse that's sat with me since then. It's Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious, but in anything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This really helped me, like I said, just helping me know I'm not alone in anything I do. So it helped me get back into church, start turning church regularly, and helped me just make God become an everyday part of my life. And even though I had that major lapse in faith, I still was able to find my way back to where I am today and able to sit here and be able to talk to you guys about anxieties because I know I've gone through mine and I still go through some, but I know the Lord is always with me through them. So this story is just a massive reason for me to rejoice. It's my salvation. It is my eternal peace. And your story should be too. Your testimony and your salvation should be your reason for rejoicing. You should use it as fuel for your faith to strive for God more, knowing that he has gave you eternal peace and eternal salvation. Another reason I like to rejoice is just the beauty of God's creation. If you just look outside today and you walk out there when you leave here, you just take it all in. The trees, the sky, the oceans, the lakes, the rivers, everything in, in this world. Just the 
beauty of it all that God created for his glory, letting us roam this earth freely and to do as we please with free will. And you just take it all in and capture just the beauty of everything around us. It's amazing. You sit there and think, wow, God created this, all of this, and he's allowing us to be on it. And the way he made it for it to be sustainable where it is, only where it is, can't move too far back or we'll freeze, can't move too far forward or we'll burn up. Our gravitational pull is keeping us from not crushing ourselves, but not from floating away. Everything was created perfectly for us and all for his glory. It's just an insane thing to think about. It's just rejoice in it constantly because I know what I love is uh, Ocean Isle Beach going down there to a place called Sunset Slush and walking down the pier and seeing the ocean with the slushy. It's just amazing. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's amazing. And then, but you also think of other things that we sometimes kind of write off. Like, one thing I like to really look at to kind of be like, wow, how impossible this creation of the universe was, was I like to compare it to like the quantification of time. So with time, we always just assumed it was because it is. I mean, it always has been. There never was a point where time did not exist. But it hasn't always existed in the way that we know it. We know it as, well, it's 1055 right now. That is it. But it hasn't always been like that. Back, you know, early Mesopotamia area, early Mesopotamia era and stuff like that, time was sunrise to sunrise. That was a day. That is all they knew. They knew once the sun rose, a new day began. That is it. But then as time progressed and technology advanced, the Egyptians were the first to figure out and really find out through equations and math that there's 24 hours in a day. And then they started to use sundials and figure out, okay, well, high noon, when the sun casts no shadows and it's directly above, using that 24-hour day period equation, they found 12 hours before high noon and 12 hours after, that's a day. Well, then as time advanced even more, we found there's 60 minutes in an hour, 60 seconds in a day, and then, or 60 seconds in a minute, sorry. It's not 60 seconds in a day. <laughs> so, but as we kept progressing and we got to where we are now with everyone being in throughout time zones, but all time occurring at the same time, it's just, but you, you try to sit back and think of how they did all this, how they got to where we are with time and how it didn't used to be what it is, but now we can't think of a time where it wasn't like this. We can't grasp the concept of time not being like it is now. And you just think of how amazing and how hard people must have had work to figure out what it is. But then you compare it to the creation of the universe and this earth and everything around us. And it seems like the easiest thing ever. Because something that we deem impossible was outdid, I guess is the word. But by God, with just creation of everything. Everything we see is through him, is by his creation. There would be nothing without him. And it just rejoice in that fact. Rejoice in the fact that everything we have and everything that there is, is because of God. So, some other reasons you can rejoice, you know. Rejoice in having a loving family by your side. I know I have mine sitting over there where they always do. <laughs> Every week, Grandpa just right there, 8 a.m. sharp. <laughs> Save the seats. Just re rejoice in having your family. Rejoice in a loving family by your side. Just 
other reasons. Rejoice in having that special someone. Rejoice God giving you someone in your life that loves you unconditionally. I guess that's more geared to the adults here, excluding Andy Adcox. (laughs) (laughs) But just rejoice in that someone that God gave you because it's amazing to have. And then also rejoice in being able to come to this church and sit in this congregation, in these pews, listen to Scott every week, me sometimes tonight, I guess, today, not tonight, today, I guess, Kevin next, the second, but uh, just rejoice in being able to sit here openly, freely, and safely every Sunday. Rejoice in having a family here, a church family that loves you and will support you just as you guys are supporting me up here, that will be with you day or night, whatever you need. Rejoice in all of these things because when you rejoice and when you put your faith out to God and your joy to God, takes your mind off your anxieties. It takes your mind off your struggles because you're focusing on all the good so all the bad goes out. It really helps. So the other part of the scripture right here where we're looking at talks about reasonableness and letting your reasonableness be made known to God. So what that means is to have sound judgment and peace of mind throughout everything. It's essentially be patient in God because everything will come together. So so just don't fret, don't fear, because the situation you're in will always come to a close. As long as you are patient and patient with God, he, he will provide for you. I like to think of the story of Battle of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. The Israelites were patient with God as God told them to march around the walls of Jericho and blow the trumpets. And they did this for seven days, seven times a day. They constantly did it. They went and they went did it every day. They're patient with God as they knew he would provide for them. And on the seventh day, when he finally told them to shout, and they shouted, the walls fell. God provided for them. It just shows that being patient with God and knowing that throughout your circumstances that he is with you and he will provide as long as you stay faithful, it really just helps because your anxieties will start to go away the more you become faithful to God and be patient with him because he will stay with you and he will be with you always. So next, I'm going to look at verses 6 and 7. It's bread and butter of the passage, really. It really just captivates what this message is truly about. Uh, And Paul tells us here the second reason, the second way to help rid of anxieties, and it's through prayer. So verses 6 and 7 say, Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what is prayer? Prayer is a personal time between you and God where you speak to him and have conversation with him. You ask, you praise, you just talk to God. So, but if we look at this, Paul talks about a specific type of prayer. He talks about a prayer dealing with supplication and thanksgiving. What this means is to give praise to God and show him your gratitude and to ask humbly for what you need. So how do you pray like that? Well, if you start with Thanksgiving, it seems easy, right? Because it is. It is just praising God for what he has provided. It is giving joy. It's rejoicing 
sorry, in God for everything. It just, it's the easiest part. You just sit there and talk to God, and you just pour out your heart to him and all of his glory and be happy for everything he's given you. But the more difficult part of this is supplication because some of us might not know what supplication is or not realizing that supplication even is a way of doing things. But uh, supplication means you're not asking, like not demanding God anything from God. You're not telling him you want anything. But more of like a submissive and meek plead is what you're giving God for what you want. It's almost like imagine you're asking your mom to go hang out with a friend. You're not going to walk up to her, scream in her face, hey, I'm going to hang out with someone. That doesn't work. She's going to yell at you. <laughs> what you do is you, you ask nicely. You ask patiently. You understand that they're not going to get an answer right away. You understand that nothing is going to happen maybe the way you want it. But you sit there and you ask and be humble in your askings. It's as simple as that. So a uh, way, I, a story I like to think of it, right? It's, it's a, story, a great story about prayer, and I'm going to have to read off of this because I'm sorry, I'm not Scott. I don't have everything memorized perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> but the story goes like this. A man's daughter had asked the local pastor to come and pray with her father. When the pastor arrived, he found the man lying in his bed with his head propped up on two pillows in an empty chair beside his bed. The priest assumed that the old fellow had been informed of his visit. I guess you're expecting me, he said. No, who are you, replied the old man. I'm the, old, I'm the new associate pastor at your local church, the pastor replied. When I saw the empty chair, I figured you knew I was going to show up. Oh yeah, the chair, said the man. Would you mind closing the door? Puzzled, the pastor shut the door. I've never told anyone this, not even my daughter, said the man. But all of my life, I've never known how to pray. At church, I used to hear the pastor talk about prayer, but it always went right over my head. I abandoned any attempt at prayer, the old man continued, until one day, about four years ago, my best friend said to me, Joe, prayer is a simple matter of having a conversation with Jesus. Here is what I suggest. Sit down on a chair, place an empty chair in front of you, and in faith, see Jesus on the chair. It's not too spooky, he promised. Then just speak to him. And listen in the same way you're doing with me right now. So, I tried it. And I've liked it so much that I do it a couple hours every day. Be careful, though. If your daughter ever saw me talking to an empty chair, she'd have a nervous breakdown or send me off to the funny farm. <laughs> the pastor was deeply moved by the story and encouraged the old guy to continue his journey. Then he prayed with him and returned to the church. Two nights later, the daughter called to tell her pastor that her dad had died that afternoon. Did he die in peace, he asked. Yes, when I left the house around 2 o'clock, he called me over to his bedside, told me one of his old corny jokes, and kissed me on the cheek. When I got back from the store, about an hour later, I found him dead. So there's something strange. In fact, beyond strange. Kind of weird. Apparently, just before Dad died, he leaned over and rested his head on a chair beside the bed. So I really like this story because it really just shows the power that prayer has in our lives. It, in the story, you see an old man who couldn't move and was completely bedridden. He gathered enough strength before he died to lean over on a chair and rest his head on it. A chair where he would imagine Jesus on a constant basis. And I really do like the example that this, that this story gives because it is a good example to sit there 
just imagine Jesus in front of you, like you're talking to a person, because you are. Just imagine him in front of you as you speak. You speak and you listen. You ask him, you ask humbly, you praise him, and then you listen. But you don't listen in a traditional sense of he's going to speak back to you, because it's an imagination, that'd be weird. So you more listen through the scripture. You read your Bible, and you meditate on the words in there. And that's your way of listening to God, because that's how he will answer you, through his word. And it's just an amazing, really, story and just power of everything, of how prayer can get anyone through anything, because God is always with us. We just have to know the right ways to get to him. So, lastly, I want to look at the third way that Paul tells us to deal with anxieties, as to practicing our faith. In verses 8 and 9, we see Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. So we see here, Paul directly tells us what to do. Follow his example and practice these things. So how do you do that? How do you practice your faith? Well, it's not as easy as just showing up on Sundays or Wednesdays and just listening to the pastor. You, when you hear the pastor's message, when you hear Scott come up here and preach, don't just listen, take it, go in one ear, out the other, leave. Go home, go on with your day. What you should do is you sit here, you listen intently to what he has to say. Listen with an open heart and an open mind. Take in what he has to say. Take notes and go apply it to your everyday lives once you leave. Use, this, use the message that you're given throughout your week as fuel and through your faith. You know, another way is just read your Bible on a daily basis. Don't just read it like it's some English assignment. Actually read your Bible. Grab pen or a pencil, a notepad, your Bible, find a quiet place and a quiet time, and just read and comprehend. Truly try to comprehend what God is telling you and speaking to you through his words. You don't have to go and like stress about how you're going to read it either. You can find a guide online that tells you where to start to deal with certain things. You can just flip to a random book if you want and start there. You can even just start at Genesis 1-1 and read all the way through if you want. It's not that hard to start reading your Bible. It's just a matter of picking it up and doing it. And you have to make sure you do comprehend what is being said to you and what is what you are reading through the words. Make sure you understand with the full intent of what God is speaking to you. So, another a great way to practice your faith on a daily basis is to spread the word of God. A good way to spread the word of God is to share your testimony. You share it with your family, your friends. You share it with people on the street. You people share it with people you know at work. If you just share your testimony, reach out to people that you know need the Lord in their life and preach it to them. Tell them about the Lord and what he's done for you. And testimonies aren't that hard. So you probably don't go in and wing it. It's probably not going to end well. What you're probably going to want to do is write it down to begin with. 
you want to write down your testimony, think about what you would want to say to that person. It's not that hard to write. As Kevin tells us in the mission team when we're writing a testimony, talk about your life before God, your salvation, and how you met God, and what your life is like after God. It is that simple. You go through that, you write it down like that, and you have a perfect testimony. It doesn't need to be a 10-page essay. It doesn't have to be just 10 words. It can take as ever short, or it can be as ever short or however long as you like, as long as you are talking about your salvation and you knowing Christ and what Christ has done for you in your life. So it might be hard to like find someone to share your testimony with. It can be a little scary sometimes, you know? It's like walking, you don't have to like walk up to someone on the street, just yell it at them. Probably wouldn't work. What you're gonna wanna do is you, an easy way to do it at least is find a friend and just be like, hey, can I practice my testimony on you? Because usually a good friend, whether they know Christ or not, is going to say yes and listen to you because they're a good friend of yours. And if they don't know Christ, it works even better because that story can probably resonate with them and probably sit with them and sulk in their body. And sulk, but what does a sponge do? Absorb. That's what it does. <laughs> My bad. have the gospel absorb in them and just they can take in everything and it really can just help them find christ through your testimony and you didn't even mean to do it you were just practicing it on them that's what they think at least so it, it, and it might be hard to find that person i know some of you either work from home or didn't go back to school and stay virtual because hard times right now but it's still easy to do with all the advancements in technology and everything that we have at our fingertips Text someone, FaceTime them, post something on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. It's that simple. I mean, we have an abundance of resources at our hands to share the gospel with anyone and everyone. So why not take advantage of that and, and share? Share God's word. Share his faith and his love with everyone. So Matthew 28, the Great Commission tells us, therefore, and make great make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Just as Jesus said there, go and make disciples of that nation. Teach them to obey Christ in everything they do. I have to be careful, because sometimes this can be misinterpreted or can be put, used wrong, I guess. So when we're talking about sharing testimonies, it's easy to get carried away in talking about us. It's easy to ramble on about us, us, us. But that's not what our testimony is about. Our testimony is about God saving us and giving us salvation and eternal peace up in heaven. So with that in mind, what we have to do is when we're sharing our testimonies and when we're sharing the gospel, don't keep the focus on ourselves. Keep the focus on God. The way I like to remember it is, the Bible wasn't written about us. It was written about God. So that's who we should share about. That's who we should focus on. That is who the majority of our time should be spent on. Because that's who we want people to find. We don't want people to think we're some magical being that can save everything, because we're not. God is. God is the person that will save them. And that's the person we need to lead them to. So with that in mind, when you share and you go out and you give your testimony, and you go out and you give the, preach the word of God, 
make sure they understand that it is Jesus they are looking for and Jesus that they seek. And they need to believe in him, believe that he is their savior and repent of their sins because that is how they'll find that salvation that they are looking for. Not through us, but through God. Just focus on him through your sharings and he will take over and lead them. So, in conclusion, we talked about a lot what can help rid of anxieties and adversities in your life. And Paul gave three main points. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Have joy through your circumstances. Pray. Pray on a daily basis with prayer, or prayer, but with thanksgiving and supplication. And pour your heart, mind, and soul out to God. Practice. Practice your faith. Share the word of God with everyone. Go out there and make good disciples of all nations. Go out there and share God to everyone. Just with all of these combined, put to use on your daily lives. God can help lift you of your adversities and help get rid of your anxieties and show you good faith. Just let me ask you this today. Are you rejoicing? Are you praying on a daily basis? Are you practicing your faith? I'll leave you guys with that. Uh, Scott will come up and lead us in our time of invitation. Thank you all for your time. Amen. I tell you what, powerful message. Um, you know, as church leaders, sometimes as parents, as grandparents, you ever wonder if the young people are listening? We hear something like today, and they are listening. Amen. They are listening. And you know, as parents, that your labors are not in vain. When I look at the young people that God has brought up through this church and how God is using them, folks, it's very encouraging. And that's one of the reasons we do this every year, uh, to let them lead in worship because they're not just the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. They're part of the body of Christ today among us. So we thank God for them. I thank God for this message uh, this morning. You know, 2020, last year, a year of anxiety, right? I mean, talk about an appropriate word for the moment that Jackson's given us today because it's been a year of anxiety, not only with uh, COVID, but with job losses, isolation from one another, schools shut down. I mean, we've all read the... Uh, other things that are going along with the shutdown, the struggles that people and, and families and young people are, are facing. And so, uh, again, this word this morning about dealing with anxiety. And there's some of you, I know, I don't just think, I know, because God's word doesn't return to him void. 
this message really was like a rifle shot to your mind and heart this morning and hit you where you're living. And uh, I'll have more to say about his message in a moment, but I don't want to delay a time of invitation fresh off of his message to stand and sing together because some of you probably want to come and do business with God at the altar. And I don't want to delay that because as he's pointed out in the message, he's the focus. God's the focus. And so some of you may just want to come and fall on your face before God at this altar. Bring somebody with you and pray if there's an issue of anxiety and fretfulness going on in your life right now. Turn to him in prayer. And as he pointed out in supplication, that attitude of submissiveness. God, you know, I'm turning this to you, but submissive. What is it that you're asking? So uh, you come forward if you feel led to do that. If, if this morning you desire to make a profession of faith, if the Holy Spirit has been prompting you to do that, come and make your faith in Christ known. If you're looking for a new church home, we would love to be your church home. You come forward as well. You, you move as the Lord moves you. Let's sing together.